0: Pro football player Travis Kelsey is pressed for time during the football season. So he does two things at once. Whether it's grilling while mowing. Two things at once! Or getting this season's updated COVID-19 shot at the same visit as his flu shot.
1: Two things at once.
0: You can be like Travis and ask your pharmacist about getting this season's COVID-19 shot at the same visit as your flu shot, if you're due for both, as recommended by the CDC. Learn more and schedule at Baxassist.com. Sponsored by Pfizer. What's it gonna be today? Skyline Three Way or Cheese Conies? Hmm, that's a tough one. I know. Give me a Skyline Three Way and Cheese Conies. Problem solved. Feeling good. It's Skyline time. You are now listening to the Going Deep Podcast with your hosts, Kevin Massari and Mike Bunt, live from the Cover One Sports Network. Here we go.
2: Welcome into another edition of the Going Deep Podcast. I'm your host, as always, Kevin Massari, here with Mike Bunt. I got a lot to talk about. We got a preseason game to recap. We got preseason game two with finally some starters playing most likely here to talk about. We have some small injury updates, some news, some notes, some nuggets, some final roster predictions that we're going to get into next week. But maybe we'll, Mike and I will we'll preview some of those here today. Um, there's, there's, It's football season, Mike, August 15th. Uh, season's kicking off. Starters are starting to play across the league. You saw Mahomes in. Uh, as well as uh, fantasy football season for some, so it's a it's a great time of the football season.
1: Yeah, I'm feeling great. College football kicks off in 11 days, where my Ohio Bobcats are going to take on San Diego State. I was golfing today, broke 90, got to go in the pool, have a good lunch. I'm feeling great right now. I'm ready to talk some football.
2: Yeah, I mean, I guess so. You look like you just got back from golfing, so uh, good. Good on us, Mike's Mike's trained, he's prepped, he's ready. Uh, he's ready to talk some Bills football. We just had a game on uh, Saturday, so a few days ago, uh, a few days ago now. So we'll talk about that for a brief moment. Uh, I know you've probably been able to get that footage and that that ability from you know our Monday shows as well as you know recaps across uh, different Bills podcasts and Bills land. But I'm here to kind of talk about my thoughts about the game. I think plenty of them, and kind of how it relates to what I'm going to see this week and then for Week One. But like just just off the cuff. What were your first initial reactions off of that, uh, that dry run against Indianapolis uh, and tell me a little bit about how you're feeling and your mojo coming out. And we finally see some football and we don't see any football in orchard park now for another over a month till, till September 17th. So tell me how you're feeling with uh, about the only game that we'll have until uh, week two. Yeah. General
1: takeaways from the the Colts game. The defense is as advertised, the, the defensive line, Uh, Looks strong. The backups look strong. Um, The corner two battle, it looks like it's Dane Jackson's job right now with how he's playing the amount of snaps, then making the interception. I don't care how easy of a play it was. He still made the play. Tyrell Dodson, we might have an issue at middle linebacker. Big surprise there. Uh, Was really hoping we'd be able to have Tyrell Bernard in that game, but obviously the hamstring injury uh, prevented that. Dorian Williams did look all right at um, at linebacker, even though he's really not in this middle linebacker competition. And then flipping to the offensive side of the ball, I know that Kyle Allen got a lot of heat, and he did not have a great game by any uh, grading situation. I still think he's your backup, despite what Matt Barkley did, uh, a sensational uh, second half by Matt Barkley. But I really don't think that – will enable him to jump Kyle Allen on the depth depth chart yet. And then the the last few takeaways, uh, the wide receiver depth, these guys that aren't even going to make the team look really strong uh, overall. And even Latavius Murray, uh, you're talking about your third string running back. Uh, If there is a situation where he needs to jump up to number two and get more snaps, get more opportunities, he looks like he still has – Uh, some left in the tank. So I thought it was a good performance overall. Uh, Not a ton to talk about because the starters only played a limited amount of snaps. Uh, But it it, it was nice to see them finally back at Highmark Stadium. And I will say one last thing. Uh, Dalton Kincaid playing in line was something I really wasn't expecting much uh, going into the preseason. So it is nice to see that. Uh, he did show some positives as far as technique and what he could potentially bring to the table if asked to do that during the regular season.
2: Yeah. We got some updates here, Mike, we got uh, the bills working out. Garrick McGinn, another offensive tackle who they have checked out and you know, they've signed him as an undrafted free agent. He's a guy that's been around the system a lot, went to the giants, went to the XFL. It's kind of a model that the bills are very interested in XFL players and spring league players as they get some real life footage and, And uh, activity against similar liked players. Look at you're starting to see some spring league players make some plays in the preseason. Uh, Most notably, your Ohio quarterback Rourke um, playing for a backup quarterback job. We're not going to get too deep into into other teams' backup quarterbacks as the Bills kind of have their own to worry about. But you've seen these XFL USFL players uh, start to uh, really come into their own uh, over the last couple of weeks. And the Bills are very interested and in, you know, look at it. you. You mentioned the Bills wide receiver depth in the first game. You have, you know, Marcel Aitman, a guy that played really well. Can he crack a roster with the Bills depth? It doesn't look like it. Keyshawn Johnson, a guy that's been around the league a little bit, who's looked good. Trent Sherfield, the guy that uh, Josh Allen always points to whenever he's asked uh, again. Uh, you know, he's bounced around the league. He's gets open. He's really good. He takes notes, this and that. Uh, So he's definitely someone that they have uh, referenced many times as looks like the leg up on the third receiver job. Uh, You mentioned how well that Dalton Kincaid looked. He was in line. He made a good enough block to spring James Cook for a touchdown that's what you're looking for. You just don't want it to be a gimme pass play when he's in the game, similar to, um, you know, there's, there's players across the league who can only receive, like they just don't have any blocking chops at all. Like Mike Gisecki, uh now in new England. So, you know, you're kind of avoiding those scenarios as, as well as he can uh, block a little bit. Uh, so the bills, you know, just had Brandon shell retire, their potential seventh offensive lineman, their backup tackle by, by all stretches of weird timing, um, not as weird as halfway through the first week, uh, <laughs> but fairly strange timing now after the first preseason game and, and pretty much locking down the swing tackle job to this point. Uh, David Quessenberry was relegated pretty far down the list, even behind Ryan Vandemark. Uh, you know, he was fairly down the list behind Doyle, uh, so I'm not sure if that's good news. But, uh, you, know, you know, we're going to play that tackle by ear because, you know, right now, is there an opening? Is it just going to go to Vandemark and Doyle? As the main reserves is my guy Richard Garage, who had a great day again, uh, going to earn a tackle job. It's very possible, as uh, you know, this 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 offensive line. Um, this offensive line position plays out, and it looked really good. I've watched film now. I've, I've seen Eric's uh, cut ups, uh, and all three phases. The offensive line had a pretty good day. I'm, I'm interested to see how that plays over into the Pittsburgh game uh, with better offensive our defensive linemen, uh, as well as a you know a team that really competes hard and, and takes preseason fairly seriously. Not that Indy doesn't, uh, but I'm very interested to see them against you know more ones and how this offensive line plays. But as of this, as of right now, the Bills have some players on this. Interior offensive line that can be traded, uh, you know, with the depth news of the tackle position is going to be interesting to see how that plays out. But I still think Ryan Vandemark looked pretty good. David Edwards, I've been seeing at least get rotated in with the ones. I saw some clips today where he was playing with the ones. I'm not sure what that means. I was trying to ask around to see if anyone had any information on that. But, you know, you have players in, the, you know, obviously and that's not including Bates and, and Osiris Torrent. So you have a bunch of players in with the ones Uh, One and and Edwards looked good with Vandermark as well. Uh, So this offensive line unit is definitely much improved, Mike, and it's even better. The twos are probably even on par with what the Bills got at times last year. Uh, So it's 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 very interesting to see how this is going to play out. And, um, you know, I do believe that right now, Ryan Vandermark could have a spot on the roster if no one else comes and takes it. They don't make a trade, um, you know, air raid hour and judge over there saying that could they trade for someone like Calvin Beachum? Uh, but they're, without something like that, Ryan Vandemark is on the roster. So, um, you know, Richard Garage fighting for a spot. Uh, so it's it's going to be a pretty, pretty fun battle to the end as majority of these offensive linemen look good. You saw Matt Barkley back there dealing uh, into the third and fourth quarter. You generally don't see that in the preseason. You see a lot of running. You see a lot of short passes. He was given time to throw and make plays, which is more impressive than what Matt Barkley d- did, was the fact that generally defensive linemen are ahead of offensive linemen at that point. And right now, the Bills offensive line was ahead of at least the Indy uh, defensive line. And Matt Barkley's sitting back there slinging the rock. Um, And that's because he was given an opportunity with a clean pocket. The offensive line looked good.
1: Yeah, absolutely, uh, Kev. The offensive line was great. AJ, love the compliment. Thank you, man. Uh, It is a nice hat. Uh, I'll say this about the offensive line. There was some people scared during training camp about how the offensive line was shaping up. It was going through their fair share of struggles at times against the Bills defensive line. And we kept asking, is this a product of the Bills having a very good defensive line or is this a product of the Bills offensive line struggling? And, and I, I had thought probably more due to the defensive line and it being early in training camp and times without pads on. I think after that indie game, I feel a lot more confident in saying the Bills' defensive line was the reason why they struggled at times offensively uh, during camp because the offensive line had a tremendous day overall. And you go deep into the the fourth quarter, you mentioned Matt Barkley. He was only pressured, I think, on 6% of his snaps uh, according to some advanced metrics. So he had all the time to make these plays, and he took advantage of the Colts' Uh, third and fourth stringers, even Kyle Allen. I think he was pressured according to numbers I saw 28% of the time, which might seem high to some people, but was actually one of the the lower numbers overall during opening weekend of preseason. So you got to give credit to this Bill's offensive line. Uh, I know things aren't as complicated in the preseason, but they, they looked the part and that includes Osiris Torrance starting at right guard, something I didn't see entering this game, Kev. I know we had have been seeing Osiris Torrance um, get reps with the first-teamers, and we had talked about that as a possibility after he was drafted in the second round. But I really did think Ryan Bates would start at right guard uh, in the first preseason game. And with how Osiris Torrance held up, it really does seem like he has a chance to win this starter spot. And it looks more likely now that Bates will become – the primary backup at center and guard uh, to fill in if there's an injury or someone that needs to to sit. But like you said, the the backups were strong as well. I am not depressed about this shell news of him retiring today. Uh, It's a little bit unfortunate, but if you were in a situation where shell was forced to play, I don't think the Bills were going to be in a great situation regardless. I know some fans looked at his starting experience, including last year in Miami, and looked at him as a a Spencer Brown competition. That was never the case. Shell was not brought in for competition uh, for Spencer Brown. He was brought in as insurance for Spencer Brown. If Brown wasn't ready to go, uh, if there was anything uh, lingering with his back, or if he was just straight out off to a horrible start to the season. So I'm not too worried about that. You can bring up some of the backup tackles. Is Van Denmark or is Doyle okay enough to, to fill in? I don't know, but a lot was going to be on Brown and, um, and Deion Dawkins carrying the weight to begin with. And you still have the possibility of Quezenberry – um, if you need to keep him on this roster. So I thought it was a good day overall for the offensive
2: line, and I'm encouraged about uh, what they brought to the table uh, going forward. It's interesting to know what what happened with Shell. I think maybe he thought maybe he could be in a battle, maybe realize that it's only going to be Brown's job. He didn't know that he was going to for sure want to sit the entire season and or be inactive on game days potentially if they like Vandermark more or if they like – you know, obviously Tommy Doyle more or somebody else more that was going to get more time. Uh, maybe he was just like, I'm just not there anymore. I, I don't know that I want to be a second to third string tackle. Um, so maybe it's time to hang it up as that's not we you know where my career path will go. Something like that makes sense. Why now it does make sense that maybe he was feeling comfortable with either not making the roster or seeing that he was behind even young players that were developing, um, you know, like that Vandermark or Doyle or whoever. So Garage, even so, you know, there's definitely some of that probably had to play a role in maybe what some of his thinking was. Um, you know, maybe the bills even said, like, we're not sure where it's going to go, and then he's like, Well, you know, then I'm going to retire. So, you don't really know the discussions inside the building if it was just him out of nowhere saying I'm going to retire, or if he had some type of talk at some point before or after, um, that you know, before practice or yesterday that was like. We don't know where we see you on the depth chart. Maybe you're inactive. Maybe you're practice squad. Even you don't you don't know how transparent Brandon Bean or even um, Sean McDermott is at this stage. Um, But I hope if they were transparent, that would be the reason. Like, hey man, like you know, you're unfortunately might be the ninth or tenth offensive lineman here. Uh, You know, we'll give you the choice to kind of do you want to be cut? Do you want to play that out? Do you want to you know? And then maybe. Uh, chose to retire, so there's there's all types of different um, scenarios. I just you know, no one wants to go away and sleep in dorms. I just find it hard to believe that he wasn't in it to begin with, but maybe through uh, an entire training camp, uh, he said, you know, the bill. That there's no plans for me at this stage. Maybe I'll retire for now and see if someone can bring me out of retirement if necessary down the road. Uh, the Bills look like they're going to go young behind the starting tackles and give Spencer Brown the job. So maybe he thought he would come in and win it, and he didn't. He didn't have it anymore. So there is a lot of potential there. I mean, that's always a possibility, Kevin, but I always looked at,
1: I never looked at it as a true competition. My reasoning being Shell's ceiling is Spencer Brown's floor. So I know there was a lot of fans that were uh, optimistic about Shell, but when you look at what he's done in recent years, when he started, he's no better than what Spencer Brown has been in recent years anyway. A lot of people have criticized Spencer Brown, but Shell has been no better in recent years, so you really weren't upgrading with him in the game. You were just kind of keeping that same floor that you had before. The the whole point of sticking with Spencer Brown is that you're buying into his potential and his ceiling that he can uh, bring to the table. And I'm sorry about some of the shadows here. It was cloudy earlier, and now we got some rain showers here in Buffalo, so i got all types of sun in my face. But at, at the end of the day, that's the gamble that Brandon Bean made he he's taking the buy-in that a healthy Spencer Brown will be better than what we saw the last two seasons.
2: Yeah. And it's, uh, he looked good. So um, initially he's had a pretty good camp um, at, by all accounts, he does look healthy. He's not quick to open his hips. He's not, he's not gambling anymore on his, uh, on his dropbacks. He's also not, you know, doesn't have a whole right leg that's numb um, by the reports that he, that we've heard this training camp last season. Uh, so there's definitely some good things to come out of Spencer Brown. I like this offensive line. I'm feeling really good about it in general. Uh, going into that, the interior is a, is beastly. I think there's a lot of different moving parts there. Obviously, the Bills have a left tackle. If Spencer Brown can figure it out, I do like the depth, young tackles, and maybe that's the way that the Bills were going to go. Um, so we'll see how that kind of materializes here this week when we're projecting starters to play. David Edwards is getting snaps at the ones. There's there's all types of different things that could transpire. Um, from the Bills back up offensive lineman, which I feel a heck of a lot better than I did. Roger Saffold, a hurt Spencer Brown, uh, just just you know maybe Bates at left guard, right guard. What, what guard does he play now? He's playing all of them. So you know the Bills drafted a, an entrenched right guard. Hopefully he gets day one snaps, uh, and they have Bates as a more versatile role. Bates and Edwards as the kind of the first guys interior off the bench. Uh, you know, Quisenberry shouldn't need to play too much. We'll see what the Bills end up doing at right tackle. So all in all, the first note coming out of the game was how good the offensive line has been to me, in my opinion. And maybe the Bills uh, defensive line, to your point, was that good uh, throughout training camp. And certainly they were better than the Indy defensive line, as I believe they won more reps uh, than I figured they would early on. So that was very interesting to see. You know, as you kind of look down the offense in general, we kind of touch on receiver to start the show. It's going to be a battle. Andy Isabella, uh, I thought he would be a pure returner, and actually I was wrong. He's a receiver. He's a pretty good receiver with jittery and really good cuts, can get open like a fast Cole Beasley. Uh, Wasn't as good as a returner as I thought in one game. Uh, One preseason game, but definitely has the receiver chops. I thought Darrington Evans was the best returner, uh, had the best vision, uh, really had that jiggle and wiggle, um, you know, that you're looking for out of returner. It's a little bit different. I think sometimes running backs DBs uh, can be really good at returning. Um, you know, even more so than receivers at times. So uh, that's what's interesting to me uh, coming out of that. Does Evans have a spot, even if he is the best returner? I don't believe there is a spot for him. I think he goes to the practice squad. And Mims had some juice too as the, at the weapon. Latavius Murray looking good. Um, so will the Bills need to roster someone like Evans or Mims? Um, I don't think that they can with what they're looking to do with both keeping offensive line as a strength and with, And with what they need to do at the receiver position, because somebody's getting claimed from that room. So how do the bills keep that in house and not get into the situation? What should I cut Tommy Sweeney? Should I cut Isaiah Hodgins, but Hodgins couldn't get on the field. So we had to cut Isaiah Hodgins. Uh, The same thing is going to go down with shorter. That's why they drafted shorter. Some of these receivers are better today than Justin shorter is. But Shorter's going to get a roster jersey. He's going to be able to develop on special teams. He's going to, s- to play the long game with him. Uh, and then he's going to see the field in different uh, – all the sub packages on special teams. Whereas, you know, Isaiah Hodgins couldn't do that. So, you know, that's to me is why he'll be above the Keyshawn Johnsons, the Patmans uh, of the world. So with a full healthy roster, I don't see how um, this wide receiver room is going to shake out uh, with some of those depth guys I really – anticipate it being Shakir, Hardy, Shorter, Sherfield uh, I don't I don't really know where Eatman's going to find a job. I don't know where Johnson Johnson's going to find a job. Uh Terrell Shavers, my God, what a what a I, I could see Shavers being
1: practice squad material. I probably as you, you mentioned Shavers is one I would be very high on practice squad, developmental. See if you, he has something that you could work with going forward.
2: Yeah, the three straight drops scared me. Like, I, one's one thing, two's another, three is a, is, is a brutal situation. A really great route and a great play call on his touchdown. Um, he could have had years. another touchdown, too. I mean, he had the, the
1: pass interference called uh, when he was going deep. He had a, his man. He, he probably would have had a second touchdown there. So, yeah, the drops are concerning. But it, watching him through camp, Shavers has produced. And at times, he's looked better than shorter, like you said, Shorter ain't going anywhere. He was a fifth-round pick. He's going to have the special team role. But I do think Shavers is a guy I would stash on the practice squad. Uh, There's probably a good chance that he will go unclaimed. And with his size, with his skill set on special teams, he is someone that could fill in if you needed to promote someone uh, on a last-second notice due to an injury or something else.
2: Yeah, and then does with the receiver room does? Andy Isabella have a spot. Do they have seven receivers, you know, factored in there? Do, does he have a role? Will they Do they like enough of what he does, Mike? That is there a spot for him? Are you going to try to push the guys like Shavers and Eightman or Patman? You know, they're going to want a couple of those guys on the practice squad for sure. Um, but what do they do with Isabella? It's tough. I, I don't think you can keep him. And the fact that he didn't last in
1: Arizona or Baltimore, I don't think you really have to worry about another team adding him. Uh, So maybe he is another practice squad possibility uh, in in this discussion. I just don't think it's likely you're going to keep seven receivers when you already really have a clear-cut defined top five right now. Uh, And a guy like Andy Isabella, I feel like you could pick up or stash on a, a practice squad if needed. When the kids call and they say, hey, Dad, can you pick up Skylar? I'm always like, absolutely. I'm halfway there because you don't have to tell me twice. That's a time for our family to be together. And Skyline's always been part of our family time.
0: Life's better with an auto policy from American Family Insurance. No matter what dreams you're driving towards. That's because our expert agents will make you feel totally protected with the right auto coverage at the right price. You'll also save up to 23% when you bundle auto with home. American Family Insurance. Get a quote, find an agent at AmFam.com. Products
2: not available in every state. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts
0: may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating company, 6,000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin.
2: Yeah, I think the pure goal of Andy Isabelle is to put him on the practice. What, as long as Isabel's feel comfortable receiver is there's plenty of receivers, plenty of receivers that'll look good this preseason. Not everybody's receivers are going to get claimed very rarely. That's why the bills gambled with Hodgins. He had already been through waivers once they thought that maybe the tight end, like Sweeney would go claimed. Uh, and then he ended up going to the giants this offseason anyway. So the bills did have an inclination that he could get claimed. And they said, you know what? No, one's going to claim this receiver who can't play special teams. Uh, and you know, the only person that, you know, Brian Dable did, uh, but that's kind of the situation. It's very similar to where, You know, you don't really expect you're going to cut four or five of these receivers. Uh, Maybe one or two of them deserve to be on a roster, but you just don't anticipate to minus injuries like the Giants had later in the season when they could finally claim him. You don't really anticipate your practice squad slash depth receivers being claimed uh, unless there's an obvious cut. Uh, But I don't think Marcel Aitman, uh, Andy Isabella, Terrell Shavers, I don't think these are obvious claim situations. I think that there's a world where somebody could get claimed because they fit somewhere. Um, but generally speaking, you're going to assume that you're going to cut four of these guys that have played pretty well throughout camp. The depth there's great. And at best you keep two or three of them on the practice squad. Like, you know, that's the scenario, you know, that's what you're going to get. If one of them gets claimed, you hope it's not the one you wanted, or you hope that, um, that you got the better guys uh, on your practice squad. So that's, that's the scenario. And I do think you're right. And there's a world that if Isabella keeps playing well, he will put an, and his draft stock. He will put enough on tape to be like, all right, I'm going to give a shot to this guy. I'm not sure if we're there yet, but we are getting closer to a scenario to where someone could deem him um, eligible to to make a play to their roster, or at the very least, Mike, have an opportunity to make their roster easier. Isabella doesn't have to sign to the Bills practice squad. He could go somewhere with, a, with, a, with an easier path. And let's be real. He, Isabella is talented. He was a, what, a second round pick out of UMass. So
1: the guy does have some talent and it, it just never worked out. In Arizona or Baltimore yeah I, I think what's impressive to me is how all these receivers have played and that's really something to give praise to coach it's coach Henry correct uh the new wide receivers yes, coach. he's been good he's been a good upgrade from Indiana so um I, I I think you can only say positive things about what he's brought to the table so far because you look one to, to ten maybe uh at wide receiver and they're all impressing at this moment in time so it'll be interesting does any of them step up uh, against Pittsburgh? Do we have a clear defined guy in that pack of maybe seven through 10 that uh, takes that next step against Pittsburgh and shows that maybe they are deserving to make this team? Because right now you can make a case for Shavers. You can make a case for Aitman, uh, Keyshawn Johnson or Isabella. All four of them had fantastic second halves uh, against the Colts. Will one of them have a second contest to pair with their their first preseason matchup to add more on tape and and really make a case for themselves.
2: Yeah, I mean I think it's it's pretty interesting to where Isabel is an interesting case because you're right of the draft stock. It's, you know, the bills love that 2019 draft. That, that is for sure. They did. They have, they've have taken multiple players out of it. They've messed around with that tight end room forever. They've, they've seen players, including Jay Sternberger, uh, Kal- Kalali warring last year. They've messed with players, from, you know, obviously Dawson Knox, they've messed with players from this draft. Uh, Damian Harris, uh, single Terry. Um, they, they specifically liked something that they saw from this class uh, and they continue to pluck from it. Andy Isabella being another one, a second round pick Uh, nine. He, had a, he would, he would have a nine, nine, three Raz Mike. If he was at least six foot, he would be a, an, an athletic machine. The only thing is he has a 0.81 in height score because he's five, eight. Um, but other than that, you know, you look at his athletic profile and, you know, four, three, one, like you're talking about some elite, elite things that you're, you, that you're noticing with uh, someone like him. And he's showing it like, Was he – I've heard some stuff. I haven't watched enough film on him to know how poorly the Cardinals used him. Um, But that's what I've been hearing, that the the Cardinals used him poorly. I don't know that to be true, um, but I can kind of assume that there's potential that maybe there is untapped potential. That's
1: tough, Kev, because being a high-round draft pick, they had no reason to use him poorly. If that's the case, that's just shame on the Cardinals for not uh, utilizing – uh, a high-end prospect properly. And you look at that RAS score, uh, outside of the height, like you said, he he would have been much higher right there. So you're looking at a really good athlete that was overlooked because he went to a smaller school at UMass that only recently became D1 in the last 10, 15 years. And I, I do want to talk a little bit more about wide receiver takeaways from this, Kev, because even if we're looking at the starters, we know that Stephon Diggs did not play on Saturday. So Trent Shurfield has an opportunity to start, and he played basically the minimum uh, amount of snaps that you would expect from the starters on Saturday. The weird thing to take away from this is, is he wide receiver three or is he wide receiver four or five? Because it's it, it seems like watching him in camp, when they go to three wide receiver sets, that he is always on the field. He has produced, he has made a name for himself so far through July and early August. The confusing part for me is that when they released their unofficial death chart last week, they had him as the backup outside receiver to Stephon Diggs, and they had Khalil Shakir and Deontay Hardy as the number three wide receiver battle for the slot. So then you fast forward to this game, uh, you, you have Shurfield start because Diggs is out, But you had Shakir on the field, I think, for close to 17 snaps or something like that. You had Hardy on the field for more snaps overall. Was that just a product of them competing for that spot? Why is Shurfield getting the minimum? That would indicate that he would be higher in the depth chart. It's just really hard to kind of get a read on this wide receiver battle for three through five. Because even with Shakir, who you would think is battling for the slot... He played a lot in the outside on Saturday against the Colts. So my general takeaway from what we've seen so far in camp and the Colts game so far is that any of these guys, three, four, five, they're all going to have roles in this offense. They're all going to see time. They're all going to get balls in, uh, in this offense as well. And I don't know if there's going to be one player that's a defined slot receiver, Kev. I, I think they're going to move all these guys around you, we might have someone that ends up winning the slot receiver job, but I don't know if that means that we're even going to see them in the slot most of the time because with Kincaid, they're probably going to move these guys all over to place. So it, it almost seems pointless to actually argue over the semantics of who the actual slot receiver is.
2: Yeah, some interesting notes here from the receiver room. Uh, Khalil Kier, 17 snaps, four in the slot. Five snaps for Trent Sherfield, two in the slot, using uh, some for t- some twelve personnel there. So that could be, uh, you know, we don't know if we can take anything from that. Deontay Hardy, thirteen total snaps, ten in in the slot. Um, so obviously they do view Hardy as more of a slot player. Khalil Shakira playing everywhere, you know, and five snap for Trent Sherfield playing everywhere. Um, and Sherfield definitely, like you just mentioned, getting those those first team snaps and out with the first team, just like you mentioned with Dane Jackson earlier. If we're gonna give it so far the the, the job to Dane Jackson. It's equally to say that Trent Shurfield, based on usage and the way it went, is definitely the slot receiver to start the season. Uh, thoughts on Shakir? I thought that here's my thoughts on Cleo Shakir. And, uh, you know, I'm pretty adamant on it. I like Cleo Shakir. It's different than when we saw drops from Shavers. Three big drops, ruined drives. I do believe that was a great route combination call um, on the touchdown. I do think that any receiver in there would have made that touchdown and then he did get grabbed a little bit on the pass interference you're right on shavers but to get back on track on shakir um the difference there is huge play to get him in field goal range uh would have been punting um that's the kind of play you need there Next made a really good play on a bad throw two good catches number three uh drops one and easy in the in the bucket 66% 66% you know I don't like using target rates it's not really that useful but I will take an occasional drop that was the same drive that he moved this change to begin with uh, on a really good catch a really good throw really good offensive line play there too on that play to Khalil Shakir uh, to convert uh, so my my opinion is I don't let the shot the, the the drop really be that concerning at this stage. I still think he's higher up on the depth chart than many do he still was much ahead of these other guys um, that we're talking about here. I don't think he's receiver five. I think he's truly in this battle with receiver three, receiver four. I think Hardy's more of this gadget guy. He's only going to play in the slot. Yeah. He's going to do a lot of everything. But Khalil Shakir is higher on this depth chart uh, than most think. And still could be, you could still see him on obvious passing situations as compared to Sherfield, who you might see on more obvious running downs.
1: Yeah. Th- th- this is why it's been like so interesting to me because when they said that Deontay Hardy would take over the Isaiah McKenzie role, I've been asking all offseason, what Isaiah McKenzie role are we talking about? The one that he came to the Bills as a as a gadget guy for the first three seasons of his career with Buffalo, or the guy last year that was the, the slot guy uh, on the team? And it appears so far that Hardy is going to be more of the the gadget McKenzie, the guy that might get 20, 25 catches a year and and get some of those wide receiver screens, jet sweeps, and and short passes and, and try to do things uh, with the ball in his hands versus the the slot receiver that some people were expecting coming in. With Sherfield and Shakir, I get the sense more that they want those guys to be versatile pieces of the offense that they can move all around, uh, that they don't need to be subject to just being in the slot or being outside, that they can play different, receiver roles on this team. Obviously, Shurfield's a great blocker as well, but I I agree with you. I really do think that the Bills value uh, what Khalil Shakir brings to the table, and I think he is going to make an impact uh, this season, not be a 50-60 catch guy, but I could see Khalil Shakir being a 25-30 catch guy, uh, having 300-400 yards, uh, depending on his usage um, overall, and Shurfield, maybe around that same area, maybe 30 catches. I, I think all these guys three through five on the Bills are going to be in that 25 to 35 catch uh, area. I don't know if any of them is going to have a standout season much more than that, but I think they all could be right around that area with uh, obviously Gabe, Stephon, uh, Kincaid, and, and probably Dawson Knox being the, the
2: four primary catch um. Uh, pass catchers on this team. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. I still think that I th- you are I believe you're right about Hardy. He looks like he's going to be more in that gadget role and that's maybe where McKenzie was good at. I mean, maybe that's why we all thought he could take the next step and be the next receiver to fill in. Um, but I like that role for Hardy to the the 40 to 50 targets uh somewhere in there that's going to run specific plays and be on in specific situations. Um, I do think that the Bills will generally gravitate to a specific third receiver. I don't know that they're a heavy rotational. I'm going to use this guy at receiver that I'm going to use this guy. I haven't really seen that too, too much. The Bills preferred per Josh Allen preferred to have a steady slot receiver. Hence why they brought back Cole Beasley. They wanted one steady presence because Josh plays very much. So out of script, a guy that can read him, a guy that can get open, that can make things happen. It isn't necessarily always within down and distance and it isn't always scripted. Um, so that's why Josh likes a guy that he knows his his habits. I he agree with you, that. I agree with you on that. But let's remember when they brought in Emmanuel
1: Sanders, that was a four-wide out team. That right. you had Steph, you had Cole, Emmanuel Sanders, and Gabe Davis. That was a four-wide team that could do a lot. This is probably the the closest you could you we've come since that point. And then if you have Hardy take over the McKenzie role, you're looking pretty much at 2021 uh, all over again, assuming everyone is healthy and these players step up like we're
2: expecting or hoping to see uh, this upcoming season. Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be really interesting to think about how it all plays out. And Gabe Davis's production that year definitely, you know, was was a concern because of it being a four receiver room. I Sanders had a ton of snaps. I still think that they preferred Davis going in with giving people breathers and in specific packages, but they still saw a pretty big work share for, um, you know, the bills top three receivers. I still think that's how this is going to go with it. If anything, Hardy's the gadget guy that's going to get defined snaps. So I don't know how much they're going to say this, this game plan for Khalil Shakir, this game plans for Andy Isabella. This game plan is for Trent Sherfield. I still think there's going to be, who's going to earn this job when it matters most. And they're going to have that job until an injury or some reason to swap them in and out. So we're gonna we're gonna need some more data. I'm gonna need to see some more. Definitely gonna need to see some more this week against the Steelers here on Saturday uh, on a pretty good opening test. And then maybe those backups will get that that Bears game uh, in two weeks. And then we'll see from two weeks from today, cut down day. So we're gonna see cut down day. Uh, episode here in two weeks on the going deep podcast, where we're going to break down the roster. What happened? What waiver claims are going to be made from these 1200 cuts across the league. So come back here in two weeks. We're going to talk about that next week's going to be our roster prediction show. I like to say, generally this is true of my official mock drafts unless I'm joining another show. I only like to do it once. So I'm not someone that gives you my roster prediction. One, my roster prediction, two, three version 3.4. Like I'm going to give you like my one version. It's going to be live here on the show. Uh, next Tuesday, uh, I'm going to give you my roster prediction uh, one week out from cuts. But as we think about this roster development, Mike, there's a lot of chatter about this tight end, yeah. uh, this tight end room. Uh, there's a lot of chatter going on about that. What happens there? You know, obviously you have Kincaid, you obviously have Knox. You know, more and more so, you're looking at uh, pretty much a lock in Reggie Gilliam being tight end for fullback one, special teamer one. um, Got that Quinton question, Kev. Do the Bills roster Quentin Morris? Yes, they do, uh, Kev. Yes, let's, let's, hear, do. let's hear why, because he didn't
1: look very good. They do because he has shined at times during camp, and he has made some impressive catches, and they have put time in his development so far. This is a guy that you need as a primary backup. If you're going to run 12 personnel, you're going to need a, a third tight end on this team as a primary backup. Knox is going to be on the line most of the time. Kincaid is going to be uh, out in the slot. You need someone in case either of them go down to fill in. Uh, obviously, Reggie Gilliam, will consider him a tight end. He's a fullback. He, he's both positions. Uh, but they're going to need three tight ends going into the season. And I, I would say that I feel that Quinton Morris is a lock at this point. I, I know some people are going to overlook him. He had a solid season last year in his first year of uh, real NFL experience. I think he does bring something to the table. And as a backup, I I don't think it's too much to ask to have one uh, roster spot locked up in case something happens. Like I said, to Kinkaid or Knox.
2: Yeah, I agree with you, but is it guaranteed? I agree that they keep four with one being Gilliam. Guarantee that they, with 12 personnel usage, already up to 35% was one of the most utilized rates already uh, in preseason. You're definitely going to put one on the practice squad. But are we for sure it's Quentin Morris? That's going to be the decision. We're just talking sitting here talking about Shakir's drops. Can't forget about it and not converting. Who else, who else could it be? On the current – well, first of all, there's 1,200 players cut. I mean, okay, if somebody – I just – if someone else – But second of all, Sternberg. I mean, it would be Sternberger. Kevin
1: Kevin Sternberger also had a poor fumble in the the win over the weekend, and that's worse than any drop because you're giving the ball right back to the other team uh, due to your lack of protecting the ball. And, yes, Sternberger, former third-round pick, has been in the NFL, was a star in one of the summer leagues this year. But – There's a reason why he wasn't in the NFL the last couple seasons, and he needed that opportunity just to get back on the radar of NFL teams. I just think that Morris has the the built-in advantage already being part of this team last year and having the, the eyes of the coaching staff. The practices I went to in training camp, Quinton Morris looked impressive. He made some nice catches I, I understand what Spin is saying, that if Kincaid uh, goes down, they're not going to run 12 personnel. I agree with you. If Kincaid goes down, they're not going to run 12 personnel like they, they would if Kincaid was playing. That said, even if Kincaid goes down, you're one injury away from having no tight end if then Knox goes down in a in a moment. So I, I just think three tight ends is a necessity if you're going to run the type of offense the Bills are going to to run this year. And I do think that Quentin Morris does have something that they see as a, a nice developmental uh, attribute. So I, I like him making this team. Obviously, he's not going to see the, the field a ton with what's in front of him, but he is a, a good insurance policy uh, if something was to ever happen in front of him.
2: Yeah, I mean, he's the, the other problem wasn't the dropped or the not dropped. It's if you're thinking of true 12 personnel, he got absolutely blown up uh, in in a blocking scheme, got absolutely nailed on a bootleg situation. Uh, Kyle Allen bootlegs to the right, does not pick up his blocker, and absolutely gets him clocked. He's dropping passes and he's not picking up his assignments. The reason they couldn't run 12 to everybody's point is because Quentin Morris couldn't do it. So that's part of the problem. That's part of the problem I have with Quentin Morris. He is an okay receiving weapon. I've seen him in the Mac, he's a converted receiver. Uh, I don't have a total problem with the drop. It's a little, I, I still don't, yeah, I don't just like a third I don't a tight end.
1: He, he's a third t- tight end. I let's, understand let's, that, but your third tight end yeah, needs a block. We can't, we can't be all about these UDFAs and these low end guys that aren't, we, we can't be all about them and forgive them for every little thing that happens and then look at guys that actually are in the league that did have roster spots and then kill them for everything. Let's hold all these guys accountable to the same standard. If, if you have one player that is, had a poor performance like Quentin Morris did, but then you have a, the player behind him make an equally uh, poor thing happen, I don't care if it wasn't his fault that he fumbled it. He, he got clocked, whatever. He, he still fumbled the ball. That, that, at the end of the day, that's his responsibility is to protect the ball. So Sternberger lost it, and it, I, I just can't give – a, newcoming, a newcomer, an edge over a player already on the team, when they both made mistakes during that moment. Now, Sternberger next game goes out yeah. and balls, and Quentin Morris has another horrible performance. Then we can start the conversation. But right now, the person on the team from last year is going to have the edge on the newcomer that wasn't even on an NFL roster last year,
2: former and, and UDFA himself. Like
1: and honestly, if you like, if they like Sternberger enough the chances are that you can get him on the practice squad. Quentin Morris, maybe a little bit dif- more difficult. I, I I know you're saying he, he, he doesn't impress you, but he did show some receiving ability last year. And there is a chance that somebody could try to grab a young player like Quentin Morris and say, you know what? We have something that we can work with. That's something we can develop. Hell, Tommy Sweeney is playing NFL football. So really, if, if it was down to Tommy Sweeney, or Sternberger, or or Tommy Sweeney and Quinton Morris. What direction would they probably go? For all the hate that Tommy Sweeney got last year, he was still on the Bills at that point in time. So I I think it's pretty clear the Bills are going to prioritize three tight ends on this roster, and then you add Gilliam to make it four. Uh, And most likely it's going to be Morris unless something crazy happens uh, with one of these other tight ends stepping up.
2: I just think personally, a system that the Bills like to run clearly by them drafting a first round talented receiver who may or may not be able to block. They're very interested in running a situation. And they signed, they gave OJ Howard $4 million. $4 million with a cap, cap strap team.
0: Israel is 5,690 miles away from the U.S., 11 hours by plane. Hate travels faster in a comment, in a post, in a second. Jewish hate is up 388% in the U.S. Black hate, Muslim hate, and Asian hate are up too. When one hate rises, they all do. Let's stand up to all hate together. Share and wear the blue square from StandUpToJewishHate.org. Seeing is believing, and you're not going to believe how bright and vivid the colors are on the Samsung Neo QLED and OLED TVs powered by the neural Quantum Processor, because this is an audio ad. Unless you can see it, which means you already have one. Nice. Samsung, more wow than ever.
2: So they could run 12 personnel. Someone needs to be able to block in a situation, and if you have no, Knox, who by all is decent blocker, but a pretty good pass catcher. Duncan Cade, an elite, potentially elite pass catcher, very raw blocker. Uh, you can't have the third tight end not mo- model the same form. A poor man's Dawson Knox, can't really block well, um, needs to develop. Um, you know, the Bills really aren't in position to be developing backup tight ends when you just spent a first-round pick. I think the third tight end needs to come in, be who he is, and block. He, you're talking about I'm giving the pass I mean, to the second had, round. Why pair. didn't
1: they add someone that would be a blocking tight end? If they really wanted someone that would be the blocking tight end, they could have just gotten their version of Lee Smith. They clearly don't prioritize that to the level that you're hoping that they do. Because if they did, they would have brought someone in to
2: fill that role. They didn't. Well, that, Stern- that's Stern- my point yeah, Stern- Lee Sternberger Lee. is a blocker. So Stern- Sternberger is the player we're talking about. He was better when he first timed through at Green Bay was blocking very well. He was an inconsistent pass catcher. He went off to the spring leagues and caught the ball. So has he developed just like, you know, development, I'm giving the pass to the second round pick this time. The UDFA in this scenario is Quentin Morris. It's not Jay Sternberger. That's a guy that's been drafted at the highest level. Um, I just have an issue with like kind of reverse, like, Hey, like Quentin Morris needs to be able to get up and make a block on a bootleg. Um, that's more of a concern than I have with the drop just like with Kalashic here, more, more the same thing, him. I don't really care more. Of the concern there is he he's in on 12 personnel and Josh rolls on a naked boot uh, in a situation where he's in the game. I can't have that. I, I got to have a guy that at least can block first, at least be. Okay. I'm not talking about Lee Smith. Like, if they want to block you play Tommy Doyle. Tommy told us of himself, um, you, you know, you can check him in, in goal line situations or in the playoffs or in certain 12 packages, or even uh, all types of different situations, 13 personnel, you can play Tommy Doyle, but you know, I want a guy who can still catch a little bit. Like I'm not talking about elite Dalton Kincaid level. But I'm talking about a guy who can be sneaky when needed and block that. I need kind of the reverse to Quentin Morris. So that's kind of what I'm thinking about here on a situation where I'm not saying he is, or isn't going to beat out Quentin Morris. I'm just saying I personally would like to see in a situation where you're going to carry four tight ends, one being Gilliam and upgrade to Quentin Morris, what 1200 players being cut. You have one guy in your roster now. I'm not 100% convinced he's a lock, like a stone-cold lock come kickoff week one, too. I don't mean the initial roster. I'll, in I'll
1: agree to disagree. I, I'll,
2: I'll say that
1: if you have one, him as a stone-cold lock. Right now, I have him as a lock, yes. Okay. And right. you know what? I'll, some Things can change. Kev, things can change between now and, and kickoff. If there's some great blocking tight end out there who also just is content and happy to be a third – tight end on the Buffalo Bills after getting cut by a team, which would be surprising because if there is a great blocking tight end, uh, I don't know why a team would likely want to cut them at this point uh, of the season and then suddenly have that guy come to Buffalo. But I guess there are possibilities that that could happen. Um, Then, you know, I'm all for moving on from Morris. If there's uh, a chance that Sternberger can step up and impress the coaching staff, I'm all for him having a shot at the number three tight end. I am just saying from what I have seen in the limited amount of time I was at training camp, Sternberger was not overly impressing me to the point where he would jump anybody on this roster to earn a spot. Maybe a practice squad. I do not see Sternberger making this roster from what I have seen from him so far. So unless I see someone like Sternberger really impressed in the next two weeks or some surprise cut where the Bills are able to get a talented blocker who wants to come here, on a cheap deal, fit them under the cap, uh, unless some, either of those scenarios happen, I, I don't think it's likely. I, I That's why I'm going to say Morris is a lock, because I think it is way, 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 way less likely that either
2: of those two things happen. Not saying it can't, I just don't see it. Don't know. I don't see the comparison to Dawson Knox in this situation. Um, so I'm not sure about that. Um, but uh, spin gives him 20% chance hey, to make it hey, maybe, maybe spin's um, right. Like here I'll, we go, spin. I'm glad to eat my words if I'm wrong. Uh, th- there we go, spin. Um, you know, I know generally you don't always agree with me, but I agree with you on this topic. Um, AJ gives him a 90% chance to, uh, so to make the We're rosers. on
1: two different ends of the spectrum right now. We'll so. see. I, I mean, Kev. You know me, I am willing to eat my words if I'm wrong. I've already been wrong on Trent Sherfield this off uh, season. I'm going to be wrong many more times. I'm just thankful that everyone still listens to me after some of the takes I put on the show. So,
2: well, it's going to be interesting. I think that the re- part of the problem with 12 personnel in a system that your offensive coordinator likes to run is it didn't have a backup tight end. Guess who was on the roster? Quentin Morris. We'll see if he can develop. I like the Mac. I like Mac players. Reggie Gilliam's an example of a guy I really like. I think he can do it all. Um, I think that he plays a, a situation from Toledo um, that he's able to, to be a pretty useful player. Um, I don't hate Quentin Morris. There's nothing in me that hates Quentin Morris. I think that the, the bill's ready to compete now. Um, can upgrade in certain 12 situations that's all so we'll see as of right now does he beat out sternberger's a question because there isn't another player on the roster probably i think that he probably has a leg up at the moment i wouldn't go as 90% like aj i'm not going 20% like spin though um you know i'm probably 50-50 uh where i think does does morris make the roster the and even if he does i'm still 50-50 that he sees it through for for 6 days uh, based on who's cut around the league. I still think the Bills would prefer. And by, and I know this because they worked out James O'Shaughnessy, a guy who can catch and can block at a high level in this league. So they wouldn't work out a player like James O'Shaughnessy. If they thought that they were established there, I don't think it's the end-all be-all. I don't, I don't believe, I think that Dawson Knox and Dalton Kincaid now make Quentin Morris redundant. Um, so I'm not exactly sure if he's for sure a stone cold lock special teams might dictate take that a little bit and i'm not in on special teams meetings to know how loved Quentin morris is in the special teams locker room that's when i would uh be able to if he's a stone cold lock on special teams then then sure then then i got nothing uh but if he's not that's where i'm going to be maybe trending to be more right to where um that i don't think that if he doesn't isn't a stone cold lock on special teams I don't believe, I think that 50% is lower to more where spin. been. And if he is, it's higher, like it is uh, for like the 90%. So I do think that special teams moves that 50% one way or the other based on what they're looking to do. I don't believe personally with the the drafting of Dalton Kincaid that you play uh, play the situation out. So we've talked a lot about the offense, Mike. Uh, we've talked tight end. We've talked receiver. We talked O-line to start the show. Avoided backup quarterback a little bit. Um, you know... I do think there's that really Matt Barkley to, to talk about back. Matt Barkley did outplay him. I do think there's a chance he is quarterback too. I think the likelier scenario though is Matt Barkley goes to quarterback three. He's your practice squad guy, like he's always been. Did he finally play his way onto a roster? I still don't think so. I still think that, you know, no one's gonna carry him. Maybe. So we're gonna see how it plays. If the right guy is cut, though, Mike, I will put this on record. That is a position. I don't think the Bills will be shy. If they see someone cut um around the league with these 1200 cuts because everyone's going to try to sneak this guy through you know you get you look at san francisco with sam darnold and trey lance what are they going to do there with brock purdy being their quarterback one uh so there's situations around the league that you can monitor um you know very cool what's what's indy going to do do you, do you look at sam ellinger um you know behind uh do they take do they keep sam and do they cut someone like gardner Minju? so there's scenarios around the league that um you know the bills could be very interested uh you know, um, Sam looked okay. Uh, I thought Gardner Minshew looked pretty good. So, you know, there, there are situations that the Bills can get themselves into at backup quarterback. So we'll, we're we going to shelf the backup quarterback another week. I need to see another week. Then we'll get into it next week on next week's roster show as we talk about our rosters as quarterback. But I do want to take a chance to talk about the defense. Um, you know, spent a lot of, you know, 50 minutes on the offense here, Mike. Uh, as we look at, we're going to start, at the fu- famous and fun middle linebacker position, um, you know, Matt Milano's Matt Milano. You see next to him, we had a uh, kind of a, a difference of opinion between bills nationals. What is Terrell Dodson? We see him swinging helmets today at practice. <laughs> no, he claims he just rolled it back. We have media people that say, no, nah, he swung it. Um, you know, who's right. Who's wrong. Um, I don't think you should ever swing a helmet at, at your uh, your teammates. Um, I actually can see it more in the heat of a real battle against another team and you're in this big game and you do something like that. I, I still don't you know, think you should, but I get it on a competition level. Why are you doing that against your own team in a setting? I'm not really sure what's going on there. I don't like his play in general. Um, so I'm going to put that out there. I loved, you know, Eric Turner broke down Dorian Williams. Um, I really like what you see from Dorian and film. He's moving as a torpedo speed. Uh, he's looking like he should get every bit uh a, 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 a lock to this roster and really get a chance at the middle linebacker position. I really think Dorian should step into that role sooner rather than later. And Terrell Bernard is still my favorite to win this job week one. We'll see where that materializes. Still listed on the official depth chart today with the slash next to Dodson. So there's a reason. Uh, that we see that, Mike. Um, and then, you know, you saw a little bit from, you know, some backup offense, you know, the backup, excuse me, backup linebackers, uh, which was pretty interesting. Traven Howard had a, a lick of a hit that could see himself make the roster at some level over maybe even uh, some of those backup guys. So there's some interesting decisions to be made at this linebacker room, not just who's starting, uh, but I would like to, to see Dorian Williams get an opportunity to start. Uh, on this team at least in at least against the Bears. Uh, I want to see something where maybe we're shocked and he gets the starting job Terrell Bernard's still out the bills are relatively healthy uh, you saw Doyle come back you saw DJ Dale come back you know saw t- uh, Tyler Matakavich come out the PUP today so you have a, a, a very healthy roster right now knock on wood for my superstitious fans um, you know I'm not <laughs> myself I don't think anything yeah, I not- say Kevin, why do you even say that you're not Nothing, Nothing I say is going to make the Bills healthy or not healthy. Um, and uh, they are healthy. The fact of the matter is they are very healthy right now, minus Vaughn, and then an off-the-field incident uh, with uh, Naeem Hines. Other than that, um, you know, something weird with Damian Harris. We'll see how much the Bills care. Um, you know, they're still not working out running backs. They're still not making a move there. So it tells me that they're not overly concerned. Obviously, they have Mims if, if, if Harris does have to go on the four weeks I.R., they feel comfortable with whatever the Mims Darrenton Darrington Evans situation is behind Latavius Murray, who also looked good. Um, but team's relatively healthy, Mike, middle linebacker for you. Uh, what do you, what do you think that's going to happen there? What's your takeaway between this Dodson scenario, Bernard and how the linebackers looked on Saturday?
1: So I think it's going to be Dodson that starts the season at middle linebacker. I'm not, a real fan of that, but it's something that I've accepted uh, recently with the injury to Bernard. Now, we've been talking about the three guys in the competition going back to beginning of May. Kev, uh, we had some inside info that it was going to be between Dodson, Bernard, and Specter. I remember when we first mentioned that on the show, a lot of people were curious that we included Baylen Specter in that uh, conversation because it really was something that caught a lot of people off guard in fast forward to training camp. Yes, he's number three uh, in that race and he's not going to win it, but he did get opportunities with the ones which shows that he's been impressing uh, this coaching staff during off season uh, workouts and OTAs, mini camp and so forth. It's one of those things where unfortunately Bernard's injury most likely ended this competition, depending on when he's able to get back. He wasn't at practice. Um, So far this week, which if he's not able to get to practice in the next couple days, it's going to seem unlikely that he'll play in the second preseason game. And then that by that point, if Dodson has a solid performance, it'll be tough to see Bernard overtaking it. I will say the reason why I am more in favor of a guy like Bernard being uh, your middle linebacker is that the league is such a passing game right now and the Bills are so focused on running their nickel defense, which is a heavy emphasis on coverage, and uh, they love their zone defense. And for all the hate that Tremaine Edmonds got by from fans at times, he was very good in coverage. Dodson does not bring that to the table. Dodson is a thumper. Yes, he can, he can get to the line. He can make a play behind the line of scrimmage, but I do not trust him uh, in coverage situations uh, on this defense Bernard, while younger, he is quicker. He has better coverage instincts. So Bernard is a guy I would like to take a chance on. The fact that they just added another linebacker that was similar size, that is also not a Tremaine Edmonds, although Tremaine is a super freak athlete, tells me that the Bills value these, these athletic coverage linebackers. That's what they want in their scheme. The fact that Balin Specter was in this competition, it, it, it's, uh, it foretells that's what they want. It's foreshadowing that. You have three linebackers on this team, Specter, Bernard, and Williams, that 20 years ago, you'd be looking at them and saying, what are these guys? These are these small little linebackers. How are they ever going to fit into NFL defenses? But in modern day NFL, it's, uh, the numbers say you got to be uh, a defense that can stop the pass. And that's why I think these are the type of guys that Brandon being in the bills covet to match up with a Milano. Who's also a very good uh, coverage linebacker overall. I just don't think that Dodson brings enough of what the bills are looking for defensively, but is the best of what limited options
2: they have available to them at the moment. I couldn't agree with you more. I, I, but I don't know that I give it to Dodson. I don't see it from him from a coverage standpoint. I think he's going to be a liability um, I didn't see him get off his box particularly well, uh, against Indy, you know, I got to see more this week. He's going to get another opportunity here. Well, Dorian finally jump his way into the role, you know, as, as AJ points out one inch shorter and 20 to 25 pounds lighter than Dodson is in Bernard's case. Does, do we really care? um I don't care that, that, that much. I, I don't. I think they're that. similar enough. Yeah, I think it's similar enough. It's not, it's not Tremaine Edmonds. I think it's similar enough. And there's so many examples I've gone over more in the offseason back when they drafted even Bernard back when they drafted Williams. There's a lot of examples of players that play at this height, weight, speed. Um, that's the way the league goes. It's actually more Tremaine Edmonds was the one that was different uh, from the prototypical archetype linebacker that you're seeing getting drafted right now. So I don't, I don't necessarily think that I care. Um, but Did I certainly don't want well? a guy who can't cover and who over-pursues, and that's that's Terrell Dodson. I prefer to give a chance and see the hiccups of of, Dodd, of, of Bernard. If it's not him, I, Dorian Williams showed me enough. He was the best linebacker on the field. Uh, for the bills, he showed me enough. He was getting some um, some 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 praise from both his, uh, you know, I, I, apparently Eric Washington kind of acts as a defensive coordinator as he took the stand today and was asked answering some linebacker questions from the you know, assistant head coach last D line coach. So uh, did he take the job over uh, Al Holcomb as a pseudo somewhat of a guy that in track for the D coordinator position at some point at the end of the season or something? It seems like it to me. Um, because Holcomb wasn't up there answering questions. Um, I know they rotate through, they did with Bobby Babich uh Jr. as well, but he was kind of answering general questions about positions um that he doesn't you know generally report to being the linebacker. So did you hear uh, what he said though about yes. Dorian Williams? Yeah, he said it's fluid. It's it's not
1: that he's penciled in at outside linebacker the remainder of the year. If if they want to throw him some reps and he looks good, they're open to giving him opportunities. Now, how likely is that? Probably not super likely, but they do seem open to the possibility. Should it present itself?
2: Yeah. I mean, I should it present itself as soon as even like this week or next week. So um, I'm very interested in tracking the scenario. It's fluid. He got the, um, the go in spring. So we're going to see how this all plays out, but Dorian Williams, um, I think he's going to learn how to get off blocks. I think he's going to learn some of the deficiencies he had, uh, but he played his, his eye game and his, his reaction, his read and reactor elite. Uh, there, there's a lot to like from what Dorian Williams can do uh, from the linebacker room. And we'll see if he plays his way back into it, but still, I still think that there is uh, hope from Terrell Bernard in this situation uh, going forward. So we're going to have to see how this all kind of materializes. But back to a strong room. No, that might be the Bills' biggest weakness on the roster currently, Uh, especially as training right tackle looks like Spencer Brown's okay. Um, You know, um, one of the bigger weaknesses, the the biggest weakness on the roster to to this moment. But what isn't a weakness is the D-line. The Bills' D-line came at it in waves. Uh, Look, as Leonard Floyd calls it, the best D-line he's ever been a part of. Analytically, I've seen them com- combining their edge and their d- defensive interior fourth best. Um, I've seen their edges ranked eighth and their interior ranked seventh. Uh, so they're really top eight with both units, which would bring them, you know, by by account, bring them into the top five defensive lines across the league. Leonard Floyd says they're as good. They come in three ways. Looked like he may have uh, gained an edge, as according to to Eric Washington uh, is who I'm going to quote here, saying that he's been good all off season. Um, so from his own coach. So that's all we can use. Uh, defensive tackle Puna Ford was getting after. Tim Settle looks like he took a step in the right direction. Uh, he did. I mean, you got to call it what it is. Um, the defensive tackle position looked strong, and that was without Daquan Jones. Uh, so that looked like to be a strength, and really Jordan Phillips either. So uh DJ Dale made a really great play and got hurt, but he's back, which is great to see. A guy undrafted free agent that's definitely going to be on the practice squad. He's definitely going to be a guy that I think um is wanted by the Bills to be a next guy in, in a situation. Eli Anku looked good. Um, you know, a couple of these guys were making, you know, plays. Uh, that we weren't even expecting. Like there was some good film by Kendall Vickers. Um, you know, Eli Anku, Cortez Broughton has made some plays in uh, throughout uh, training camp. Uh, Cameron Klein uh, made a really good uh, uh, play uh, in this game, as well as so did Shane Ray. And you see him on special teams too. And, um, you know, everybody's favorite depth player in Kingsley Jonathan has gotten some good run. Uh, you know, that is the UDFA that's on my radar most of the time. So uh, there's a plenty of action at this room. It's really strong. This one I'm pretty confident. I'll take it to the bank. Someone gets claimed out of this room.
1: Yeah, definitely possible. And I would say probably likely at this point, Kev. I'll say this going into the season. I think the floor for this defensive line is top 10 unit in the NFL. I think the ceiling, this could be a top three defensive line in football. Everybody, when discussing this D-line, likes to refer back to the Cincinnati game last year. When they got rolled over by the Bengals backups and it was not a good performance at all for uh, the Bills defensive line, but they forget what this unit looked like when they were healthy at the beginning of last year, when they had their guys, when they had Jordan Phillips, when they had um, Daquan Jones, Ed Oliver, Von Miller, Groot, uh, AJ Apaneza, when they were all attacking. The beginning of last year, the Bills' defensive line was playing stout football. They were good against the run. They were getting to the quarterback. They were looking great.
0: Welcome to BreezeLine, where you'll get a Cyber Monday deal on lightning-fast internet to shop quickly and securely this holiday season. Get 500 megabits internet for $39.99 per month and a $100 Visa prepaid reward card when you order online, just in time for the holidays. Plus, free Wi-Fi your way to keep cyber threats out and shopping safe. Wrap up this deal and stay secure all year long. Terms and conditions apply. Offer ends November 30th. Learn more at BreezeLine.com. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy! <laughs> The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. Jumba. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
1: And then, obviously, at the end of the year, we they had a lot of injuries to the defensive line. They had injuries to uh, the, the secondary, and things kind of fell apart a little bit defensively. And they still had the number two overall. DVOA in the league, you add Puna Ford to this this D-tackle room, you add Leonard Floyd, I think A.J. Aponeza is really going to take a step forward this year. The metrics show that he has some hidden gem numbers that could uh, really present themselves in a little bit more playing time. I like Leonard Floyd, uh, what he'll bring to the table. Once Vaughn gets back, if he's healthy, if he can be 90% of himself, Uh, You're looking at just a stacked unit and Daquan Jones being back, Ed Oliver hungry hopefully after getting his contract extension. I I would say, like I said, the floor is top 10 unit. My realistic expectation is that this is probably around a top five or six defensive uh, line in the league with the potential to be better. And if I had to say a sack number on this team, uh, if we might save it for an over-under show, maybe right before the season. I know we did one of those last year, Kev. I would put that number at 47.5. I think this defensive line and this Bills roster with a more aggressive Sean McDermott calling plays can get to 50 sacks this year. I don't think that's outrageous at all. That's about three a game. I think when when you're looking at uh, Greg Rousseau, he could be a double-digit sack player. I expect A.J. Apaneza to uh, be around seven, eight sacks. Leonard Floyd could be around seven, eight sacks, I expect a little bit of a regression, um, him coming to Buffalo and maybe not having um, the same playing time in the rotation, but uh, this D-line is stacked. I'll, I'll let you go in a second, but everybody who hasn't already, please like the show, helps us a ton immensely as far as the algorithm, like, comment on the actual uh, show underneath, helps us, helps cover one, and then the whole network benefits as a result. So if you haven't, please like the
2: hit the like button and Kev, what are your thoughts about what I just said? Yeah. Also a good point. And, uh, make sure our this show and our network is being sponsored by underdog fantasy. Get out there, check out underdog fantasy. We'll have special promotions from you coming live next week, uh, through our roster show as well as cutdown day. So check out underdog fantasy. I uh, want of the funnest fantasy out there. So I will be bringing you a special on our show next week, as well as the following week. So look out for those. Um, but, Mike, yes, I think that the 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 d line's gonna come at you in waves uh Eric Washington, who has taken some criticism for certain scenarios and certain development and certain things um seems to have been getting a lot out of this unit and I love the way he spoke today. I don't know where I was on the Eric Washington train. it wasn't very high in my in my regard coming into this week um but after i you know kind of he's taken this role and i just i just like listening to him. Um, so I think he, he does say some really insightful things. I know he's more intense. I know from players, past players have spoken about him as being too intense. He takes it too seriously. Um, you know, he generally is work, 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 work. Uh, you know, you go either way on, uh, your, your philosophy as a coach on where you, where you you think you like that or not. Um, but I really enjoyed listening to him and he gave us some good insight today. Will he give us that throughout the season or if it's just a one-time training camp thing? Will he act as a, you know, the defensive coordinator does Does press conferences? Is that going to be Sean doing double head coach and defensive coordinator press conferences? Or will he send up, I don't think a rotating unit, maybe he does, sends up Bobby Babbage and then sends up Eric Washington, Al Holcomb. I still think- well, Eric start.
1: Washington got the label. So I think we're going to assume that his promotion is in this happening is a sign that he'll be the, the speaker of, of the defense during the regular season.
2: I would assume so, too. We'll see if that actually, as the assistant head coach, uh, didn't get the D coordinator label. So the Bills could technically send out whoever they want. Uh, But I do agree with you. I do think it will be Eric Washington that they send uh, as a speaker of the defense. I don't maybe Sean does double duty. I I don't know. Maybe he will. Um, I'm not exactly sure how that's going to play out. But I would anticipate hearing more from Eric Washington. So we'll see how that plays out. But this uh, this unit looked good. I mean, there's nothing else to it just like we just talked about a receiver on the offensive side, Henry has made a pure difference. Washington's kind of been given talent. You know, that's for sure. Like, it's not like this is void of talent. It's not a, a unit. He got nothing out of uh, this. is This is a talented unit. Um, so you'd like to see this talent translate to the field this year. Uh, so it's going to be, they were by far the best unit all around, you know, my, Josh Allen. They were the best unit in camp uh, that you can look for receivers would put up a battle with them. So Henry, um, versus Eric Washington for uh, what you're going to get there. And we'll see how Bobby Babbage plays a role in linebackers and see what he's able to do with his young guys. Let's see if he's able to get something out of these, these linebackers as well as that could be the best coaching job of the year if he's able to develop a middle linebacker. As we've said today on August 15th, the biggest weakness on the bill. So we'll see if Bobby Babbage Jr. is able to uh, uh, develop one of those linebackers. But at least on the defensive line front, it's going to come at you in waves. Still convinced, to your point, Mike, uh, I do think Shaq Lawson makes the roster. I've heard as much. Um, you know, things change. Players are told things. I don't generally think coaches get into the business of deceiving players. Um, that's not generally a spot you want to be in. But I do think that Shaq Lawson makes the roster outside of some form of nagging injury or some huge play from from Klein behind him or Shane Red. But all intents and purposes. Uh, I do expect Shaq Lawson to be on the roster, uh, but sure things happen. I wouldn't be shocked if they wave him and, and try to get him to the practice squad. Um, but I don't, I don't, I don't anticipate but that. It gets interesting when Vaughn comes back. That's when you have. Yeah, a- no, that's a- when things get a little bit more interesting. What's going to happen. I, I, I think they keep heavy at this position. I don't think you need to keep heavy at linebacker. Unfortunately, does that mean the end of like AJ Klein? Yeah, probably those kind of players. I don't know that there's a roster spot for them. Um, I think just by natural roster selection, we'll see it next week. You have to only stay with three running backs. Uh, You can't really roster the fourth like you usually do. I don't know, like we talked about a receiver, if you can go seven receivers, I don't see it. So the beneficiaries of that may be this defensive line unit. And I don't think you can go heavy at linebacker, Um, you know, especially with Matakavich being a pure special teamer. uh, And uh, you see, you know, Specter on special teams. So you can't really keep a ton of these guys. Um, just to, just to suit up. So, you know, we'll see how the linebacker room plays out and last room that we haven't talked about yet. The DB room, um, because you, you want to talk about Dane Jackson. I appreciate it, man. Like to avoid Dane Jackson as much as possible. I'm glad he was in the right place at the right time. I kind of look at him like Terrell Shavers was in the right place at the right time on his touchdown, ran a good route. Dane did the right thing, uh, intercepted the ball. And you know, it is what it is. He as a mediocre cornerback, uh, is still leading the pack. Um, I don't believe he keeps his job for long. Uh, I don't think that he has it all season. This is now conversely to my argument about receiver where you don't rotate because Josh Allen, in this role though, this is different. I do think you see a, a rotation uh, here at the uh, cornerback position. I do think that is game script. And they've shown proof to do that. Uh, throughout the playoffs and other uh, situations to where Kyrie Elam played. And then this, you know, against, I mean, they like Kyrie Elam against Tyreek Hill. Uh, And then in other situations, you might, you know, you know, go with Dane Jackson. I thought Dane Jackson was picked on, but at the same time, he did have to act as a pseudo corner one. So I'll give Dane Jackson that. He was not good as a corner one. He was not good at trying to be in certain situations. With Trey White out, he was poor. He was picked on the entire Detroit Lions game. Uh, you know, the game that uh Trey Whitehead came in back and only played 20 snaps or whatever, 10 snaps or whatever it was. Uh, at least you acknowledge he- that that isn't really the ideal situation to put him in because some fans
1: won't even go that far, Kev. Like, he probably isn't a corner one, but can you get by with him as your corner two? Yeah, you can, you can get by with him.
2: Yeah, because you look at the receivers around the league, and yes, we always, what do we always talk about, Mike? How good uh, t- uh Tyler Boyd and uh, you know, the Higgins of the world are the two or threes of, of Cincy and how good Waddle is and how good Mike Evans might be or, or, or Chris Godwin, whoever you would assume is the receiver two there um, and some of these other good situations. But we never really talk about the poor receiver twos around the league. Yes, I do believe that there's a scenario where, you know, Dane Jackson's not going up against developmental receivers, got rookies, other players who he might have a chance against. Uh, we'll see. I would like to see the Bills, you know, using a uh, trading up for a first round cornerback and utilize him. And I do think that Christian Benford's kind of taking the backseat after, you know, to me showing some stuff early on in camp. I think he's going to be a versatile piece uh, in this defense, play some special teams. Uh, but I don't think that he's really left in the running. In my opinion, I still think that Kyrie Elam can take this job by the end of it. Uh, Dane Jackson is going to get every first team rep until he doesn't. Um, so that's really the best way to put it until he doesn't, like as of right now he does, until Kyle Elam puts on film. The Bills are waiting. The second he puts on film against the Bears, Mike, um, I think things could change. If that doesn't happen, then this is the way it'll stay. Uh, but if he puts that game together against the Bears, in which I'd anticipate him playing like the whole game, um, or the for the whole first half or something, um, until he puts together that game and he he just dominates, uh, that could be the final thing that would put him in, in, in line for a job. Uh, but I think that it's Dane Jackson's job. I'm not stupid, but at the same time, I'd like to see, I don't know how much worse Kyer Elam will be than Dane Jackson uh, in this defense. That's, and that's what I'll say. I mean, I know they like Dane Jackson's tackling. That is the thing that, um, you know, will put him ahead in this battle. I don't know with true cornerback play in coverage, where he's going to be worse uh where where Kyrie Elam's going to be worse than Dane Jackson I don't see it in his film I don't think there's any point that he would be worse uh even if you have a lapse in 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 a wrong read or something I don't believe it would be major with the safety play that you have behind him so that's kind of where I stand with the corner room and that tackling is what's going to get him this job but Benford has elite tackling too that's what earned him corner you know a corner starting corner job last year so it's very interesting to see right now it is Dane Jackson's Safety play has been good, Mike. I liked what I saw from Demar Hamlin coming back and looking pretty good. He had a pretty good score uh, for the Bills. Uh, PFF, I think, gave him a pretty pretty reasonable score in, in his preseason debut uh, preseason debut this year. Uh, so, and then T- uh, Taylor Rapp is interesting. You know, Cam Lewis by all accounts they sat Taron Johnson this week, Mike, because Cam Lewis didn't play. How about that? They really dictated Taron Johnson playing because secondary. Cam Lewis didn't play. Yeah. This
1: this secondary is amazing Uh, when everyone is healthy. Last year we didn't see this version of it uh, with all the injuries taking place to Micah, to Poyer, to Trey. Uh, Obviously, game was down for a period of time. Uh, It just went on and on and on and on. But With these guys healthy and then the added depth that they brought in uh, this offseason, this is one of the nastiest units, I think, in the entire NFL. People can argue with me, but – Uh, You you have three all pros on this secondary uh, in Poyer, Hyde, and Trey. And Taron Johnson is one of the best nickel corners in the league. I think with this cornerback two battle, it's important to uh, have some context. First off, Roy Collins, I am all in favor of getting Kevin a Dane Jackson jersey. Uh, We're going to start a go going deep pod GoFundMe to get Kevin his own Dane Jackson jersey. I know he's looking forward to that. Um, Maybe by the season opener we can get that for him. But I don't think they can go wrong with any of the three guys in this cornerback two battle. Uh, when it comes to Dane, the Bills coaching staff knows what to expect out of him. He does not have the, the ceiling of a Kyrie Elam, but they know that his floor is still pretty solid. He's normally in the right place. His issue last year really was finding the ball and being able to locate it when it's in the air. There were so many times he was in the right position where he just didn't make a play on the ball and would get exposed um, in those types of situations. And yes, when he was a cornerback one, which really isn't a fair spot for him to be in um, with his his talent level, uh, he was exposed at times. But at corner two, he was actually higher graded than Kyer Elam and Christian Benford last year, according to PFF. He's never going to be... Uh, an exciting, sexy um, cornerback too, overall. But you know what to expect. Now, if Kyer uh, wins the job, I'd be thrilled, Kev. I, I've said all season I want Kyer to go out there and win this this battle. I, I think he has the highest upside. He was drafted in the first round for a reason. We know uh, his skill set coming out of college was being uh, a press man uh, corner and That doesn't obviously translate to what the Bills do in a lot of things. So there has been a little bit of a learning curve. And I do think that the Bills have been a little bit tough on him as times, partially due to being a a team that considers themselves a championship contender. They're less willing to put a guy out there that's going to make mistakes and learn through them than maybe a team that is struggling and not a playoff contender because every little mistake that you make on a championship team could be the difference between you getting the three seed or the one seed and your road in the playoffs and, and so forth. I think it's gotten to the point though, where they need to eventually give the job to Kyrie if he earns it. Um, one thing I did hear from some people that I do respect is that a lot of this might even be a, uh, an entire secondary thing where you look at, Poyer, Micah Hyde, Trey, Taron Johnson, they've all been playing together for a while. They need to know that their partners are all going to be in the right spots at the right times. Is it something where maybe during practice, Kyer is not necessarily always in the right place? A lot of this stuff is speculation, but is stuff going on in practice that doesn't give the coaching staff the confidence to, to rely on Kyir Elam on a weekly basis yet? Is something holding them back from having that confidence in him, because when we have seen him on the field, specifically the Miami games last year, Kyrie has stood up. So we have seen good versions of Kyrie. We've seen the potential. Uh, We just need to see it on a more consistent basis. And hopefully he gets that opportunity, but whether it's him or Dane Jackson, I I think the bills are going to be in good hands. And even Christian Benford, that's a guy that I still believe We'll have a long-term future on this Bills team um, with what he brings to the table, maybe as a backup this year and next year. But maybe one day uh, he could work his way up to being a starter on this roster.
2: And do the Bills go out and address their biggest deficiency at linebacker? It's, it's possible. I think that Brandon Bean's always looking to upgrade his team, especially if he deems that to be a final piece to it being a big problem and then that an upgrade there would push him over the edge. I wouldn't be shocked at anything the Bills could do uh, at the linebacker position, uh, especially knowing that there is some precedent there with the Ravens trading for their linebacker uh, of the future as well and paying him. So it's definitely not out of the question that the Bills would upgrade at this stage conceivably their biggest weakness. So I don't think that that's going on in a crazy land. Will they go with a high-end player? Tough to say. Will they go with a medium-tier guy? I would assume so. Uh, do you but, like this
1: point by, from RJ? I, I I think this is uh, a smart point that he just made here. Uh, game plan specific. I know you kind of alluded that, to that earlier,
2: kind of using them both depending on uh, on the matchup. Yeah, I think it's possible. Will the Bills think of doing it that way? I think it would be more of like a scenario where in game, they might do some type of rotation. I don't know. They would go as deep as three because then you're like, who are you trusting? There's different people rotating in a, in one of these DB spots, the entire game or season. I'm not sure that the bills will do this, but, but from my perspective, I could see that. But the thing is, you know, even Eric Turner and I, we watched some Elam film um, and it's not necessarily true. I know that's, that was the talking point caught of, out of college, but it's not necessarily true that his film, he was actually pretty good in zone. Like the film is, is different. Like he was pretty good in zone coverage throughout the season. He's good in zone coverage against Tyreek Hill. Um, so it's not necessarily true just because his scouting report said he was a press man guy and he's a man coverage guy. And that's all he did. Actually, he struggled more in man uh, per some of the advanced metrics. So some of that's not, you're getting some reverse splits, uh, like we like to say in baseball. So some of that isn't necessarily true yet um, that, you know, it lo- it would seem to be true in certain situations, but it hasn't shown yet in the snaps that we've seen um at there being a problem with zone. Actually, his zone uh recognition and analytics were pretty good. So, so what do you think uh, is
1: holding him back?
2: I think there's some some effort problems in terms of like where he is in certain places, the trust factor. I think that there's tackling. I mean, I've always hear this tackling. Like I wouldn't bring up tackling if I didn't hear that often. Um, And, and I keep hearing about tackling and Dane Jackson being an elite tackler and this and that. Uh, that generally means that maybe Kyer isn't. Um, And maybe that's an issue that you're saying you got to be good against the run. Uh, so I think that could play a role into this. Um, so I think that there is a culmination of things that they're hoping that he gets better at quicker. Um, but I still think that he's gonna have this job uh, at some point. I don't know when in this season, and even at the very worst, uh, I do think that he will take the job next year. Dane Jackson's on a one year contract. I do think Kyrie Elaman at its third year will take the job. And I think that a rotation of some sort to RJ's point is the right, um, is the right play. Um, I mean, I just consistently see the bills receivers making plays over Dean Jackson all the time. Uh, so we'll see if that uh, materializes. And it's really funny that you would trust the guy against other teams' receiver ones, but you don't trust him in other situations, uh, against lesser receivers and scheme based play. So that maybe tells you there's a scheme issue. But when you when, it, when it's man on man and it's uh, whether you're playing z- literally man on man, whether you're playing zone or man coverage, the bills trust uh Kyrie to get it done against the league's best. It's interesting to me. He was the best it's player in the Cincinnati. It's encouraging though, Kevin. That means yeah. that they do see that ceiling there.
1: They they know he can do it. It's just they don't trust him to do it consistently enough at this point.
2: Yeah, and you trust him like he's the best player against the Miami game and he was the best player in the Cincinnati game analytically. Uh so at some point you're gonna bring that that high level play when it matters most. And maybe he just doesn't always show it that he's a high end player every single, and I don't know this to be true, but every single minute uh, in that situation. But I do think that I think you see him early on in the season. I think you see him early on in the season as a starting receiver, uh, cornerback. So, uh, with that being said, Mike, an hour and a half show here. Smash that like button. We're going to be, you know, bringing you some great stuff from underdog sports next week. We also going to do our whole roster show. So everything I've said today, maybe I'll make a few final tweaks to my roster. I definitely will. And Mike, everything Mike said today and his final roster predictions uh, will be put to the test next week. And we'll see how we both do um, and how we both do. And the following week will be the cut down show. So in two weeks from today, all this will come to a head. There'll be some cuts. There'll be 1,200 waivers. We can actually talk about if there is a quarterback or corner or linebacker or tight end out there, running back out there that we do like, uh, that we can talk about, uh, that we see cut that might make some natural sense or some trades that might happen next Tuesday. Actually, two weeks from today uh, that will bring you here live on the Going Deep podcast. So we'll, we'll, we'll probably make a long show two weeks from today. We'll probably have a pretty long show based on what's going on, if anything. Next week's show will be great. So make sure you tune into the roster prediction show that's always a fun one to get kind of all this put together from my end from Mike's end.
1: instead said Bobby season.
2: Hart isn't going to be part of it this year. Yeah, that's true. What are you going to do without Bobby Hart? I mean, it's Tommy Doyle, uh, to be honest. It's the same Bobby, Bobby Hart was my call
1: last year. I I nailed that one.
2: Yeah. I mean, look, someone needed to play the, the Tommy Doyle role. And he they liked him in camp and um you know he had a multiple multiple <laughs> different things he could do. And that's why I think players like Tommy Doyle and maybe Ryan Vandermark could be safe, especially with the shell retirement. So we'll see more of that going next week on who, uh, who hits the roster prediction. Right. And obviously we'll also recap the Steelers game in which we're hoping to see some starting action uh, this week, as we made our predictions, Mike made it maybe thought he'd see them this week. Um, but this week for sure, I do believe you'll see them in the Steelers game. So we're going to definitely comment a lot on what we see from the starters. And then a lot of probably twos this week, probably less threes. And then the third week is probably going to be all threes uh, for the most part. So a lot of ones and twos this week makes it very interesting to kind of look at this against a, a stingy Steelers team, uh, not the league's best, but certainly fighting for uh, an AFC playoff spot. So from the going deep podcast, I'm Kevin. That's Mike Tune in next week for our uh, roster show in two weeks for our um, cut down day show. So, Have a great night. Enjoy this beautiful summer. Get out there and golf like apparently Mike got to do tonight. And we'll see you here live at 7 o'clock next Tuesday.
0: Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered jumbacasino.com.
1: It's my little escape.
0: Now Judy's the life of the party.
1: Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon.
0: Whoa. Take it easy, Judy.